Well, it's great to see you. Um, as I said, I'm um, the outreach pastor at Welcome Church. And um, yeah, as a kid, um, I was dragged to church as a kid. That's how I look back on it. And um, the rules were, you've got to go to church every Sunday until you're 16, at which point you can choose. And so I don't know if anyone else had this as a, as a kid, but I had a wall uh, in my room. It was like a prison wall and I was chalking off the years <laughs> until I didn't have to go to church again. So at the age of 16, I didn't go near church for eight years until I had an experience of Jesus's love um, in a way I wasn't looking for, I wasn't expecting. In some ways I wasn't wanting, but actually it just changed everything in a heartbeat. And so I went from thinking Christianity is the most boring thing in the world to, wow, it's the most precious message in the world. And I'd love to give my life to, to share in that. And sure enough, that's now, I guess, what I do, which I really really love. Uh, people who knew me as a kid would have said, you're the last person in the world I thought would ever work for a church, but here I am. Um, ma I'm married to Tanya. Um, that's her there. Yep, she's uh, too beautiful for me to be married to, but uh, that's God's kindness to me. Uh, we've been married for nearly 20 years, 20 years this Wednesday. Um, no, she doesn't look old enough. I know I do. She doesn't look old enough. Um, and then we've got Abby and Will and Ethan. That picture was from a couple of years ago. The reason we've, I've chosen that picture to show you is because it was the last time that my boys looked anything like smart. They're very filthy and very dirty all the time. In fact, we were laughing the other day um, when the boys had got home from school. We were having dinner together and I was just laughing, saying to our youngest, I'm sure your T-shirt was white when you went to school. You're wearing like a grey T-shirt now. It's just where he was covered. Um, they're brilliant. They're lots of fun. Um, and yeah, they're not with me today, but I'll be with them later on. Um, so I'm going to tell you some stories today. I'm going to tell you a story. When I first became a Christian, I'm going, this message about Jesus, everyone needs to know. So I, I was a salesman by day. And I became a Christian salesman by night. So um, we, had, uh, we used to have friends over and I had a plan. So we'd have dinner and then we'd go into the front room, at which point I would pull out <coughs> my preach. And I would preach to my friends um, the message of Jesus, which I thought was exactly what they needed. And I'm sure that was quite a normal thing to do at a dinner party. So we've got a picture of Natalie and Will on the screen. Um, they were around one night. They were having a nice evening. And then I pulled out the preach. Hey guys, I've got a message I want to give you. I've prepared a talk. Is that okay if I read it to you? They looked a bit confused. I don't know why. Dinner parties, not what everyone does. So I started to read my preach about how Jesus had died for them, about how they're sinners, about how they need to repent, uh, they need to give their life to Jesus. And you know what? You need to do it soon because you never know you might die soon. That was my after-dinner preach. And... Um, <laughs> It was weird. Tanya looked a bit uncomfortable, my wife. I don't know why. Um, Will was checking out the window thinking, is it too high? Could I jump? Could I jump? Um, interestingly, they didn't become Christians after that. Will said to me, hey, thanks so much for sharing this. He was trying to be kind. It's just not something I'm interested in. But just to reassure you, if I was interested, then I'd have definitely been interested, is what he said. I'm going, that makes no sense, but that's you just trying to be kind and effectively say, Dub, can you shut up? So I was a Christian salesman trying to sell Jesus to everyone. And I reckon that stories like that are what put most Christians off of ever wanting to share their faith ever. Because Christians who share their faith are generally really weird. Well, at least I was. Um, and I think there's lots of reasons, actually, why we as Christians don't want to or don't feel we can share our faith. 
Um, and one of them is this, I don't know enough <coughs> because evangelism, sharing Jesus, is for professionals. It's for experts, it's for theologians, it's for Bible scholars. I can't share my faith because they'll ask me a question I just don't know the answer to. So I don't know enough. I'm not outgoing enough because sharing your faith is for Christian extroverts um, who love going up to strangers in the supermarket and talking about Jesus. And that's just not me, I'm not an extrovert. I can't share my faith because I'm not pushy. Um, and you know what? You can't force your beliefs on someone. Evangelism is for those weird Christian salespeople like Dub. I don't want to share my faith because it's awkward. I'm no soapbox preacher. And it just goes weird, doesn't it? You can have a lovely time with someone, then you start sharing your faith, and it just goes weird. I can't do it. Um, people will think I'm weird, and no one will be interested. You know what? Christianity to me is me and my church family and we're clinging on and we're doing our, our thing of following Jesus and no one out there is going to be interested. It's just me and my church family. And you know what? It's too much pressure. God, you've got to be a Christian salesman. It's too much pressure. I can't even save a Word document correctly, let alone a soul. How can I share my faith? That's just... There's so many reasons why many of us think, I just can't share my faith. And I think it's down to sometimes how we can incorrectly frame what evangelism is, what sharing Jesus is. And so what I'm hoping to do today is just to correct any of those um, views and actually to encourage and inspire you on that you can love people towards Jesus and see their lives transformed by him. I spent 10 years being a pushy Christian salesman and you'll be shocked to hear this, none of my friends became Christians. <laughs> Isn't that just shocking? Like my technique was so good. Um, I remember after about a decade of fruitless, hard-working Christian salesmanship, I prayed a prayer and said, God, I can't do this. I can't save anyone. And I just sensed God's reply to me, saying, I'm glad you've realised that now, son. Would you do things my way from now on? And because I thought the pressure was on my shoulders, I was really intense. I would just grab inappropriate moments to just try and shoehorn my faith into the conversation. And I don't think, it, I, I probably wasn't as much fun to be around as I would have liked to have thought I was. And, but since then, since that sort of conversation with God where I felt him sort of redirect me, I've seen amazing things happen. I've seen lots of people become Christians in my life. And I'm going to share just three stories today um, of people in my life who've become Christians quite recently. Uh, and the reason I'm going to share those stories is to encourage you and to get you thinking about your five. Because I believe that God's got people in your life that he has been stirring your heart as you pray and he's softening their heart as you pray. And as you look to bring them on a journey towards Jesus, I think you're going to see amazing things as Jesus, the Saviour, saves. Today's um, Bible passage from Luke chapter 15, the two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, some really fascinating things in there can really help correct our thinking about what evangelism is. The first thing we can learn is evangelism is Jesus' mission first and foremost and then it's something he calls us into. It's not our idea 
and it, the pressure isn't on our shoulders. He paints a picture of himself, of being the shepherd, searching and searching for that one lost sheep. You can sense a shepherd's passionate heart saying, I'm not going to lose my sheep. Where is my sheep? He leaves the 99. I don't know how long this shepherd searched, but I bet it was, I'm going to just search, I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going until I find my sheep and I'm going to bring it home safe. And then you hear the joy of heaven. Jesus tells the story of the, the shepherd, but it's to show what heaven's joy is like as one sinner comes back to God. And you hear of, this isn't a metaphor, this is a real party that God will throw in heaven over every sinner who turns back to him through Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So one thing we can learn about God when it comes to evangelism is firstly it's his mission and secondly he is passionate about the people who are distant from him. Thirdly he will go and look and search them out and fourthly he will throw a party because his heart is so overjoyed he'll throw a party over every single person that comes back to him through Jesus. Isn't God amazing? Isn't his heart so rich and soft and kind towards the people in and around your life. It's just astonishing to read. And you know, talking of saving people, the, because the pressure isn't on your shoulders and Jesus says, no, 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 I'm the saviour. In the Bible it says several times, salvation belongs to the Lord. Which means what? The pressure's not on your shoulders when it comes to seeing people saved. The pressure is on Jesus' shoulders and that's where he wants it to be. He carries the weight and the responsibility of people coming to faith. And yet, he gives you and I a really precious and important job to do. <clears throat> so when it comes to Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples, he gives us one method, one key method to do it, and that is through his great commandment to love. We read in 1 Corinthians 13, often read at weddings, we read that anything that you and I do that doesn't involve love is a waste of time and is like a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong and it's worthless. And so everything we do, very much including drawing people to Jesus, must be done in love. And if you're feeling, oh, I feel all out of love, he'll say, pray to me and I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit and he'll put love in your heart. So... The message of evangelism, I've rephrased for our church. Perhaps you'd like to take this phrase on for yourselves. Instead of evangelism, which can sound so scary and daunting, instead we're talking about loving people towards Jesus. And as you love them and draw them to Jesus, you will see him save people. Loving people towards Jesus is normal, it's relational, it's considerate, it's friendly, and it's actually enjoyable and it will result, as you draw people to Jesus, it will result in him saving people because that's what he does. That's why he's come. And you know, if you look at reports, they'll say that something like 2.5 billion people in the world today would say they're followers of Jesus. He's good at saving people. So if you can love people towards him, you will see him do amazing things. So, just a few principles maybe to think about. Firstly, loving people towards Jesus means in our culture, you care before you share. 
which means you love people before you try to shoehorn the message of Jesus in to them. And I've got a friend called Thomas who's Ghanaian, who was living in Salisbury and went back to Ghana to plant a church. And as the, he'll get on a bus, and as the bus is going along, Thomas will stand up and preach on the bus. And people will come to faith in Jesus as he preaches. Have a think about our post-Christian uh, culture in this country and think, how would that go here? <laughs> I don't think it would go quite the same way. You'd get people throwing stuff at you or shouting at you. It would not go, you get kicked off the bus, it would not go well. So in our culture, people potentially are just further away from being ready to hear the message of Jesus right now. And so we don't need to shoehorn the message in, that's a relief. But we can care, we can love people before we share the message of Jesus. And also, prayer before you share. I know that you've got your praying for five cards and isn't it amazing to think, as I pray, God is working. As I pray, God is softening the hearts of the people I pray for. As I pray, God is giving me eyes to see what he's doing. As I pray, I'm believing God's going to do amazing things. So prayer before you share and care before you share are like the foundations for loving people towards Jesus. A friend of mine, Neil, sent me this message. Um, he, he sent me this message saying, really blessed by our friendship and the impact you've had by bringing Jesus back into my life. Thank you. He went to church until he was 16, similar to me. He's now in his 40s. And about, uh, it was last year he sent me that message. Now, he hadn't been in church for 25 years. And note what he didn't say. Really blessed by the fact you stood on a soapbox and preached at me or got your preach um, out after dinner. He didn't say that. He said, firstly, really blessed by your friendship, care. Um, and he then went on to say, and the impact you've had of bringing Jesus back into my life. Care before you share is an incredibly important principle. So let me encourage you, as you pray for your five, invest in those friendships. Make a coffee and chat to your work colleagues. Invite your neighbours round for breakfast or for brunch. Talk to that person at the gym. Look out for the lonely parent on the school gate. Check in with that family member. Ask that person how the operation went. Maybe speak to an elderly uh, neighbour and offer to get the shopping in for them. Who can you just offer care? Who can you offer love to in your life, believing that God's going to be at work through what you do? Share your life with people before you share the gospel with them. Live lives of intentional kindness and love, dishing it out liberally wherever you go. And as you do so, you will see God working through every act of kindness and love because Jesus wants you to know that you were designed to shine. Now, Jesus said at one point, he said, I am the light of the world. And if you're a Christian, you'll say, yeah, absolutely, Jesus, you were and you are. Your light lights up the world. Your teaching is like the greatest words, they're the greatest words ever spoken. You performed miracles wherever you went. You've changed my life. Jesus, you are the light of the world. And then he says to you and me, you're the light of the world. And all of us say, no, not me. <laughs> not me, you've got that wrong, Jesus. No, 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 it was you. Or it's Tom. He's shining his light on holiday somewhere this week. Not me, not me. And you know, 
We can think we're being humble when we say, no, not me. I'm not the light of the world. We can think we're being humble, but actually, I would say it's something different. I'd say that's a lack of faith, because Jesus said it. And if he said it, I don't think you and I, if we believe in him, would say he, he lies or he makes mistakes. But we seem reluctant to take that on as truth. You are the light of the world. So can I encourage you today, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. As you go out and as you love people, the light and the love of God will shine through you, impacting lives. That this, these verses here, you are the light of the world, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As you, filled with the Holy Spirit, go and love people, you will shine the love of God brightly. And what's incredible is, as they see your good deeds, what happens? They will glorify your Father in heaven. There's something of a promise of Jesus there that says, as you love people and shine the light of God, it will lead to them coming to faith in me. Isn't that amazing? So he wants you to receive you're the light of the world and he wants to, you to, in faith and in confidence, love people knowing it's shining the light of God to them. Olive's story. I'm going to read Olive's words. Um, Olive was a, a mum on the school gate. Um, she said this, My oldest daughter was in the same class as Will, Esme and Zoe. My son's Will and Esme and Zoe are, are two girls from, from families in Welcome Church. Being a mum without any close family and friends, facing the never-ending challenges of life, I ended up a lonely, angry and sad person. All my adult life, I've always blamed everything on myself. The friendships that fell apart, the loneliness that I faced, the trust that I didn't have. I had no direction as to what's right and what's not. It was a messy place in my head. Dub and Tanya invited the class to a fun day. I saw the invite in Kimia's bag, but didn't want to go. I thought, what if people are standing there with Bibles in their hands, asking me questions I don't know the answers to, judging me, wanting something in return? We went along, and guess what? There was no holding Bibles in the air, no difficult questions and no judgments. The generosity and the friendliness of people was unbelievable. I then went to the fireworks night, also had a great time. And I thought to myself, it's only fair if I just go to the church service they've invited me to, to show my appreciation. It was one of the best things I've done in my life. Yes, the people are friendly. The coffee is good. They also feed you and look after your kids. But that's not the only thing for me. It's the way it all makes me feel. They're my family, better than family. Welcome Church is my safe place. They put a layer of protection around me. I've made friendships that are deeper and last longer than any that I've ever had before. I've lived for 42 years and moved to the UK 25 years ago and I finally belong somewhere. After my marriage broke up, I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to have to start looking elsewhere. I may be judged and not accepted. But the single mums team proved me wrong. My children love their church. I bring my friends who equally love this church and want to come back. You feel the presence of God and his son Jesus there. If, this, if there was a Google search for what should I do in life, it would be Welcome Church. It is Welcome Church. Now I belong. I just wish I had come sooner. They're Olive's words. 
You could go along to our church any Sunday and see her there. Just second row. She feels she can't go on the front row, it's too holy. As close as she can get to the front, bringing friends, bringing family, and you just see like the love of God radiating out of her. And it began with friends on the school gate who just in, who built relationships with her and then made an invite to our fun day. We had a run of invite events leading up to a big church Sunday invite. And so we invited Olive and her family and many others to the fun day and then the fireworks night and then the carol service and then our Sunday service. And as a family, we brought 45 people to church that Sunday. As a church, we brought, we had a church service of 1,250 people when previously we were 500 and something. Can I just encourage you that God has a lot for you. As you think about your, invite your five, as you think about your events, can you just take Olive's example and see what a difference it will make to someone in your life as you just help them get to know other Christians in your life who aren't waving Bibles, who aren't judging and wagging fingers as Olive feared, but will just love them and just be normal and just bless them and build friendship with them. Olive's story can be the story of other people in your life as you invest in bringing people to these events whilst you pray for them and then see what God might do. Loving people towards Jesus means looking up for the people Jesus has placed all around you who you can love towards him. Acts 17, 26 to 27 says this, God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him even though he is not far from each one of us. Do you know God has placed people, God has decided, let's just break this down, God has decided where the people in your life will be born where they will live and when. And he's decided who else will live around them. Another translation of this verse says, God has put boundaries around people. So as you think about your five people in your life, can I encourage you, they're not there by accident. They're there because God has placed them there. Why? Because God is passionate for them and wants them to reach out and find him, even though he's not far from them. And you know he truly isn't far from them because he is living in you, he is shining through you as you interact with them. Darren's story. Tanya and I were outside Ethan's nursery one morning when we saw a dad from the school gate. I, I recognised him, I, I couldn't quite picture who he was, we hadn't spoken before, but he, he sort of looked like he wanted to say hello. So I smiled and I said hello. The nursery was in the grounds of a church. And, and on the, the wall of the church, outside the, the church there, next to where I was standing, there was this massive, you can't miss it, alpha sign. Anyway, Darren said hello. So I said hello, and we chatted, and he was a, a dad from the school gate, and we, we'd seen each other but never spoken. And he said to me, what do you do? It's a classic bloke question. What do you do? Um, and I'm thinking, oh, I want to care before I share. I'm a pastor. I'm going to have to tell you too quickly. But I thought, you've asked me. So I said, I'm pastor at Welcome Church in Woking. And one of the things I do is I run our Alpha. I thought, I'm in, I'm in, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm just going to have to go for it now. Um, one of the things I do is I run our Alpha course. Uh, you seen this sign here? Have you ever heard of the Alpha course? And Darren said, I've always wanted to do Alpha. Just never know where I can do it. Now, let's just pause for a minute. If God isn't at work, that conversation doesn't happen like that. 
But if God is at work in Darren's life before I even meet him, if God, Jesus says my father is always working. While Stubb is sleeping, God's at work. While Stubb has walked past Darren a hundred times on the school run, God's at work. And so when I say to him, oh, I run Alpha at our church, God has already stirred him. He said, I've always wanted to do Alpha. So Darren signed up for Alpha and came on our online Alpha. And on week two, who is Jesus? Um, he was asked, who is Jesus? And he said, I think Jesus is the original David Blaine. So he's a, um, he's a magician uh, who just, his speed of hand, sleight of hand. Oh, Jesus is the original David Blaine, he said. And uh, I'm thinking, oh man, you're a long way away. On the final Alpha session, I just said to him, how are you doing? Where do you feel you're at? And he said to me, words to this effect, he said, I've come to, to realise Jesus is who he claims to be, that he died for me, that he rose again, and I've chosen that I want to follow him for the rest of my life. Words to that effect. And I just had tears going down my face. He's going, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Don't worry. Um, that was Darren. And this is a picture of Darren. We're praying for him on Easter Sunday last year, having just got baptised. Isn't that just amazing what God does as you intentionally love people and intentionally look up to see what he's doing and who he's placed around you? Then you find ways to just help them on their journey towards Jesus. Isn't it amazing what God will do? Darren isn't a fluke. He lives in Knapp Hill, about four miles from you. Olive lives in Knapp Hill, about four miles from you. This isn't just stories out there. It can be stories around here as well. And so, loving people towards Jesus, there's an intentionality because you've got loving people and you've got Jesus and there's the towards bit, which is an intentional bit. So loving people towards Jesus does take intentionality and it's worth noting that God is very intentional. He's already chosen where they're going to live and when so that they might reach out and find him. We read in the Bible that God sent Jesus at just the right time. Um, God is not uh, passive He's always on the move and he wants us to be intentional in loving people towards Jesus. And there's just a couple of things that I would point out that I've seen in, in terms of how God works. Firstly, he wants to put a Christian in that not yet Christian's life. And that's you. Secondly, he wants them to meet other Christians. If you're the light of the world, how bright, let's say you're a star in the sky shining brightly, solitary star. How bright does a sky full of stars shine? Can you just picture the impact of what we call relational momentum, which is you helping your not yet Christian friends meet Christians in your life? We're okay for time. We'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> Sarah's looking worried. We're, we're going to run like two minutes over today or so, but we're going to be all right. Um, relational momentum, helping your not yet Christian friends meet Christians so that they can encounter the love of God and just relationship with many Christians is really, really important. Clint and Magda. Clint is my brother-in-law and Magda is his fiancée and that's Emily, their daughter. They've now got another daughter, Olivia. Um, when Tanya and I became Christians um, just over 20 years ago, Clint was very sceptical and sneering. He more recently said, oh, I was just a sceptical agnostic and I said, I've said, no, no, you are quite an aggressive atheist, I think. Anyway, whenever we spoke about our faith, about Jesus or even about our church, he was like, oh, what are you talking about? Science has disproved God and uh, we very quickly learned it's a difficult conversation to ever have with Clint. But then about three years ago, 
Clint moved, he was supposed to move further away from us, he moved almost exactly halfway between our house and our church. And I'm thinking, God, have you placed him there? Maybe you've played, so suddenly I'm going, oh God, maybe you're at work. So I just started to invite Clint and Magda to our life group, to our midweek group, which we do lots of socials, lots of barbecues and that sort of thing, so that he can meet Christi- other friends, other Christians, get to know people locally, and just to experience the relational momentum of other Christians in his life. I'm thinking, God, are you at work? Um, during lockdown, um, we found all sorts of ways to connect Clint and Magda with our friends. During lockdown, we ran Alpha Online, and I invited Clint and Magda to do Alpha Online with us. And the promise was, by the way, we normally do a meal with Alpha, but it's online. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop a takeaway at your house 15 minutes before, and I'm going to rush home, get online, and we'll do Alpha together. And they did Alpha, and he was a tough cookie, some of the toughest questions you've ever heard. And uh, after Alpha every evening, Tanya would go and lie, lie on the sofa going, I don't know why he's even coming. He doesn't want to believe this. I'm going, don't worry, don't worry. And um, let me just fast forward Clint's story. He's back on Alpha in person right now. We've just had week three, why did Jesus die? He told me about three weeks ago, he said, I've become a Christian. He said, I've been sort of foot in both camps for a while. He said, I believe in Jesus and I've become a Christian. And I'm all in. Those were his words. I'm all in. That was 21, I think, years after Tanya and I became a Christian. Relational momentum of meeting other Christians just dropped his barriers so that when we then made the occasional Sunday invite, he'd be more open to saying yes. When it came to the Alpha invite, I I said, oh, there's other friends who you know that you'll meet as well. Come come along, you've met them. Um, But you know what? All I did was sort of open the door because I can't save anyone, but we've got a saviour called Jesus who is passionate for people in your life and mine, and as you love them towards him, you will see lives changed. I believe, is this your baptism, Paul? I believe you'll, you'll get the privilege of seeing many people come in and out of this over the next few years as you all make a decision to say, I'm going to love people towards Jesus. I believe that I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given us in this life is actually helping others to know him as well. I think as I look at, as I look at people in my life group, there are, um, Clint and Magda are two of 14 people in our life group who have come through Alpha in the last few years and become Christians and now part of our church. And so as I draw to a close this morning, it's okay, it's all right. Um, As you love people, as you love them on purpose, as you introduce them to your Christian friends, as you pray for them, as you invite them to your events, and as you get ready to make your big invite, you'll have earned the right to invite because I think you need to earn it in our culture. And as you get to that stage where you're ready to make your invite, Alpha, I know, is your big invite this coming autumn. You've got a a wide range of Alphas from in-homes to online to... Um, seniors uh, with, uh, is it, afternoon tea, and I think mums with brekkie and pastry, and then you've got uh, an evening right here where your team are ready to cater for 150 people to feed them as you, that's what Tom said, um, (laughs) as you bring them here. Can I encourage you that you can get to that point where you've earned the right to invite and your friends will be open 
to that invite and they will be ready to say yes because you know what? The more that you love them and you introduce them to other Christians, the more that they see God's impact in your life as you're normal and not pressurised, the more they'll be wanting to find out more about the God that you believe in. I am really excited for you guys as you get to your Alpha this autumn. In, in the book, I think most of my life group, their stories are in this book. So if you read it, each chapter, a sort of short bite-sized chapters with something from the Bible, something we can learn from God's heart through the Bible, a story to share with you. Um, you'll read lots of stories in there. But one chapter is called, I'm an Alphaholic. Um, I'm an Alphaholic, just to be clear. Alphaholic. Um, and can I encourage you to be an Alphaholic as well? Because I, it's well into double figures, the people in my life who've become Christians, and it's nearly always been through Alpha. It's just such a lovely environment where they can come, just have friendship, have food, hear a really fascinating talk about Jesus and the Christian faith, and go on that journey of exploring more about him. Can I encourage you as you pray, make your invites to the social events you've got coming up, and as you get to the autumn, invite people to Alpha, and I think God's going to do amazing things. I think it'd be good for the worship band to come up and I'm going to pray for everyone. Is that okay? If you're able, why don't we stand together? I just would love to pray for you today. <coughs> Lots of people, as I've been sharing this message of loving people towards Jesus, have said things along the lines of, I've known for ages I can't do evangelism, but I've now realised I can love people towards Jesus. I just hope that's something in you today that you're feeling, you know what, I can do that. It's something God's given me, and actually I can see people's lives transformed as I do so. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so passionate about people who are far from you. Thank you that you devise ways to draw people back to you. Thank you you're like the shepherd searching for the lost sheep. Thank you that you've said to us, you're the light of the world, you'll shine brightly because of my Holy Spirit through you. Thank you that you've placed people around us so that we can love them towards you. Thank you that you've given Emmanuel Church a brilliant card just as a reminder for the, about the people they're praying for and a range of events that are going to be great stepping stones for people to be invited to and lots of Alpha courses in the autumn. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring faith. I pray that you would reveal to people across Emmanuel Church your heart for lost people and the work you're going to do as they love people towards you. Mighty God, would you do amazing things through this church? Would you see many, many, many lives transformed by Jesus, we pray. Amen.